So far in this season, we've been exploring some of the nuances of digitization for financial institutions. We've looked at real-time posting, trends in retail lending, and changes in commercial banking. But in this episode, we're asking why digitize now? And this may seem obvious or like an obvious question, but why should banks prioritize their digital transformation? Well, I think they have to because the world has moved there. That's Nick Woodcock. He's Senior Vice President, Group Executive, Digital Banking at FIS. When you look at Facebook, Instagram, Amazon, everything about the way generationally we do business, there's an expectation now amongst those customers that they can do everything that they want through their phone, on their computer. So the banks that aren't providing that level of experience are going to lose out. So it's a matter of competitive survival. So that those banks that aren't really putting a great digital experience in front of their customers are going to lose their customers because the customer expectation is now set by every other digital transaction you do in the rest of your life. This is Financial Futures, a podcast that charts the frontiers of fintech innovation. I'm your host, Erin Dangler. Nick Woodcock joins us today to explain how banks can start their digital transformation. But first, let's look at how the definition of digitization itself has changed over time. So let's go back 10 years. What did bank digitalization mean? That's a great question. So when you look back, the iPhone was introduced in 2009, um, which was a significant change in the way that when you go back 20, you know, even 30 years, when the first approaches were taken to put online banking in the hands of of customers. But really, the, you know, 10 years ago, the biggest innovation was really moving to smartphones and saying, okay, we can move beyond an online experience. And those had been around for 10 years or so, 10, 12 years or so by then, moving to having them available whenever the client wanted, whenever the customer wanted to do banking. It was on their device, in their hand, and that really started a, a big revolution in terms of which we're still working with now to say we're moving from serving where the bank wants to do business to where the customer wants to do business. So that was the, probably the biggest change um, that took place. And, and really today, to begin with, we moved to a digital first experience. Now we're moving to a mobile first experience where mobile is you know, the channel where most consumers want to go first to conduct most of their banking business. And has that changed over time? Has that, or has it just increased over the last 10 years? Both. So the volume of transactions done in you know, the digital channels, in online and mobile channels, has significantly increased. We got very large adoption in almost every segment of the customer base as well, where people are comfortable in doing their banking using a mobile device on, online. There used to be a little bit of a generational divide. And that generational divide has pretty much all but disappeared. Really, every generation, every demographic segment now wants their banking done where and when they want it. Can you tell that to my parents? Because they're not quite there yet. Although it did take me a while to make the shift. You know, I'm like, oh, I don't want to take pictures of my checks and deposit them. And now I'm like, who wants to drive to a branch to do that? And really that, that whole concept of 
not wanting to, to physical presence. Obviously, the pandemic has ramped that up significantly, but the ability to not have to be physically present in a branch talking to a banker is really one of the key drivers to this move to say, you know, I can, I can bank where and when I want. The pandemic really was an accelerant, if you will, to changes that were underway anyway. So I think you could safely say that the transformation to digital was more than well on its way, but another nudge was taken when we got to the pandemic. We saw significant increases in signups and transaction volumes through the pandemics around things like the the issuance of stimulus checks. When the government provided stimulus checks, that really was another prompt for everybody to go on and say, where is that check? It's a lifeline to me. I need to understand, you know, has that been, has that deposit been made? You know, so that again was a, a significant bump we saw in people registering and people actually accessing uh, their banking through through those devices. And that might be part of what sort of bridged all the generations as well, because people, no one generation had an option, you know, like nobody was going to the banks, like maybe the older generations might have kept wanting to go to their branches, but they they were forced to learn this new way of doing things. That's a great point. I think as soon as I think people get introduced to to a digital way of banking, it's very hard to go back. And then there's a demand for more and more transactions, more and more information. Really, it's why can't I do everything? There's still a place for the bank branch. There's still a place for the teller. There's still a place for that banking interaction. But increasingly, we're looking at ways in which even that personal interaction gets managed through a digital channel. You know, video chat, the Zoom call that everybody's been on all the time through the pandemic has found its way into banking in a, in a video chat experience where you can connect to your personal banker, have a video chat discussion with them on your phone about a more complex transaction, perhaps, that you're trying to complete. Right. Yes. I was seeing that people are are wanting or preferring those face-to-face interactions for the really complex issues. I'm not sure what that means, if it just means that some of these complex issues aren't available yet digitally. You know, I'm thinking just personally, we just dealt with, you know, a loss of a family member and trying to uh, figure out her estate and getting that resolved has been a nightmare. You know, and my husband and his family members, they followed all the rules and he had to go from branch to branch to branch and no one would touch it. (laughs) It's tough. When you got something like that, we did something similar a, a year or so back. And, you know, you've got to bring documents and you've got to bring pieces of paper that show things. You've got to you, you got to go through that. Now, you know, obviously digitization has reached into documents. And so we have a lot of things online, but still there's a lot of things that are just a little bit more complex. And I think, you know, circumstances like that, when you do find the banker that can get things done for you, then... Again, maybe it's a it's a comfort and, a, and something that that really helps. Where you know that there's someone behind the digital front who's really understands taking care. You know, I think in many ways, one of the things that I think about when I look at a digital transformation is that really banking, at its heart, is about a trust relationship. The trust to put your finances in the hands of a of a financial institution, 
And what we've seen, I think, with digital is that trust relationship that started off being a recommendation, go and see this banker. She's going to help you out. She'll take care of you. I had a great experience. And so you go in, you are comfortable in the branch. The banker takes care of what you needed to get done, and you built that trust. Now that's moved to, have you looked at this app? This app and this mobile you know, banking experience, it's great. It was very easy. You download it, you get onto the experience. And again, now it's the customer experience. It's how well designed was the app. At the end of the day, was it high effort or low effort? Was it easy for me to get done what I needed to get done? And as a result, can I really trust this financial institution with my money, with my finances to take care of my financial journey? And I think that is how, again, I think of that transition from bricks and mortar and that establishing the trust relationship to really a great digital experience and how that digital experience now is the foundation for trust. That's a great way of explaining it. I I think I read somewhere that it was kind of summed up in the what in banking has not changed, but the how has. And that makes so much sense. Can we trust these apps? And it's all about the customer experience and getting it done efficiently and with quality. It's really become customer driven as opposed to what banks had to offer maybe 20, 30 years ago and customers kind of had to adapt to what they offered. And now it's the opposite. (laughs) I mean, there's so much choice now and we're seeing you know, this explosion of, of fintechs, of companies providing financial solutions, startup banks, new banks, people launching different banking services. And so there's so many ways, and some of those are designed at their core just to exist in a digital space. And so they are companies that are really thinking deeply about How do I connect to that customer? How do I understand their financial journey? How do I understand what they're trying to get accomplished in a different way than what you're describing as a traditional banker's view, that here's a product, here's a deposit, here's a savings product, here's a loan, here's here's something else. It's really, how do I get my financial journey made? What's my financial map? And how do I work through digital channels, digital products to get to, to my end goal? So how do banks start that journey towards digital transformation? Is there more than one way to digitize your banking infrastructure? Sure, there certainly is. And I think most banks would start to say, okay, we've got to have an online way of getting account information. We've got to then layer on how do I do transactions? And you mentioned, you know, I've I've been given a check. I, I want to deposit that check with remote deposit capture, take a picture of the check, it's now in your account. So you start adding transactions. I want to apply for a loan. I need to open a new account. So it's building on a base that says, okay, here are the the basics, if you will. Moving some money around, transferring from one account to another, building up on that saying, okay, now I want to apply for a loan. Now I want to deposit a check. Now I want to do more complex things. That's really how it, you know, we kind of look at how we build up the digital products that we provide for our customers. And I think how banks should look at it as well. It's, It's going to get increasingly complex. It's going to get increasingly rich. One of the things that we've really started to look at is how do we provide our banks 
a better way to understand the financial journeys that their customers are on. So using data, using analytics, using deep insights to say, you've got some savings goals. How are you tracking against your savings goals? You've got a certain pattern of expenditure. We, we just seen that maybe you're spending much more on your music subscription services than you were before. Did you want to adjust that? And so using those kind of insights that you're gaining about what the customer is trying to do really helps you think about the depth of the relationship, helps the bank solidify. If the bank can understand the financial journey that the customer is on, that means that that's going to be a deep, sustained relationship with that customer. Because again, it's back to what we talked about before. It's a trust relationship. The bank understands, the consumer trusts the bank to be making the right decisions for them and helping them on their financial journey. So we see that the banks are implementing digital services, you know, to start or, or digital service solutions. Then what are the next steps? I mean, because if if we're going to do become completely digitally transformed or we want digital native solutions, so to speak, how does that start or how does that happen? It's understanding all of the things that the customer wants, wants to do or, or expects to get done. And then thinking through how that transaction should be completed, how that experience should be provided. So it's a, I think it, it does require um, certainly thought on the bank's side. They need to think about how do we reduce effort? How do we make that a better journey? How do we you know, refine the way that the customer is going to interact and get the information they need? So those are, those are things. And I think they've got to start doing things like measuring customer effort. You know, there's a number of ways in which you can, once a transaction is done, you can either through surveys or reviews with customers, understand what was the effort that they had to go through to actually complete that transaction. Getting to measures of customer effort is actually a great way of understanding how deep that relationship is between the bank and the bank's customer. So if we're talking about banking infrastructure, they're the old legacy infrastructure, and they're transforming into this digital era. What are ways to do that? You know, you use blockchain, artificial intelligence. You've talked about data collection. I mean, how do you, do you can you silo that? I mean, there's a number of things. Let's, let's take a technology like blockchain and say, what's that going to do to banking? And I think you can say, okay, well, blockchain is the foundational element behind cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies are getting a lot of current press. We're looking for ways, for example, where customers can have accounts to store cryptocurrencies. And so we've got some relationships going with fintechs. I talked about fintechs earlier, where new companies are popping up to help on the journey. Cryptocurrency is a great example. If you want to hold deposits, if you want to do transactions in cryptocurrencies, we've got to find a new way of doing that, bolting that in so it feels to the customer like just another account but actually it's a very different way of, of looking at the, at the overall technology that's being used. So I think there certainly are ways, data and analytics I think is meaningful in terms of understanding what the customer's trying to do, helping them uh, to meet their goals. So really there's a need for, for banks to have a strategy behind their digital transformation, understanding their customer, understanding what they're doing. 
We serve both the needs of retail banks as well as commercial banks. So again, there's a different set of services and products and, and relationships there. When you look at the commercial banking relationships, again, it's a different set of drivers. You're going to need to provide different services, more complex services to serve the needs of small businesses, mid-tier businesses, and large enterprises as well. We've touched on this a, a little bit already, but what does a good digital customer experience look like? I think the best way of thinking about it is effort. The customer's trying to get something done. Was it easy? Did I understand what the outcome was going to be? Did I understand the process? And at the end of the day, if I can go back and say, the bank made it easy for me to get this done. If the bank made it easy for me to set up a savings goal and say, I'm going to save for this vacation. With a couple of clicks, I can figure out how much money I need to save, what my goals are, and then the bank tells me every month how you're progressing against that savings goal. There's a great example of an effortless way of moving that uh, that customer relationship forward. And a very personal goal. Like these are very personalized experiences, which the digitalization process can really help. If banks are collecting this kind of data, they'll know when a customer may be buying a car or ready for a vacation or having children and needing to save for college or something like that. That's exactly right. Personalization is a critical piece of the overall equation, if you will, of, of building a sustained relationship with between the bank and the customer. And personalization, again, the expectation, the best branches and best tellers would know their customers, would greet them, would make them feel welcome. Again, having a personalized interaction in a digital channel makes you feel comfortable, relaxed. And again, if someone understands what you're trying to accomplish, saving for a vacation, saving for a new car, saving for education for, for your kids, those are things that, again, build really strong relationships between a customer and the bank. And what do you think banks need to do in order to be successful in this new era? I mean, how much of this is about just the willingness to change? Well, it's a willingness to change and really mapping out what they want. What do they want to accomplish? So again, when you look at what markets am I trying to serve? What markets am I trying to serve in retail banking? What markets am I, am I trying to serve in, in commercial banking? Am I trying to create something that's attractive to doctors, to lawyers, to teachers? Am I trying to build a bank that attracts entrepreneurs because of services that you offer. So understanding what the bank strategy is, understanding how that bank strategy needs a digital component, and then thinking about how you pull that together, again, to create a great experience for those customers that you're trying to reach. So how are leaders in financial institutions approaching this transformation? And I know, I mean, we have, there are so many different kinds of financial institutions, large, small. What, what are they doing? I think when you look at how you make the first steps in digital transformation, and I would say most banks, even the smaller financial institutions, mid-tier institutions, have made great strides over the last few years in getting started in, in digital transformation. But again, I think it's setting goals for what the bank wants to achieve digitally, what their customers are doing, 
talking to their customers and asking their customers, do they like the experience? How many transactions or what, what new transactions would that customer like to do and feel comfortable in doing through a digital channel? So I think engaging with their customers, really understanding their customers and their customers' needs, having that being formed in, in the shape of their digital strategy overall are all things that I think will get banks well on their way in terms of a really powerful digital transformation strategy. And what do you see in the future for customer engagement? I mean, we've seen so many changes just in the last 10 years and within the pandemic. What do you see moving forward? Well, I think, you know, when you look at what's coming down the the pike in terms of of technology, we're seeing new devices, phones, uh, watches, wearable devices, different ways across different channels that you can get information We've experimented, and really this is not even now not, not that new, but using things like voice services and Alexa and Siri to drive digital transactions. Really, at the heart of it, it's how does each new technology provide a low-effort way of getting something done? So again, it's back to the, the core things that I mentioned at the beginning. How do you build trust, and then how do you reduce effort? in terms of what the financial journey is. And each time you get a new device, a new technology innovation, it's got to be seen through that lens to say, how is this going to be applied to create more effortless transactions, do work where the customer wants the work to be done? And that, I think, is the key to unlocking the potential of new technology, really understanding at its core, what are you trying to provide? And then How does this new technology help me along the way? And as we see people, you know, using their phones, using their watches, being able to have this digital experience, what's the future of branches? How will they be utilized? Sure. I think we're seeing uh, a number of uh, financial institutions change the way they think about essentially a real estate investment and a people investment that they've got. There's going to be a place again, depending on the bank strategy, for a physical location. And I think you'll see more and more banks adopting a more relaxed, more welcoming kind of approach to how, what branches are, are, are like. Again, it's a challenge in times of pandemic where you've got to put up barriers, you've got to have screens, you've got to have other things to protect the bank staff from the customers and other things. But as soon as we get beyond that, then I think the coffee shop idea or the more relaxed engagement with a banker is still going to be there. We started talking at the beginning about certain transactions, certain things that are big life events that still are going to require an interaction with a banker, with another person. You can do an awful lot through a digital channel, but the combination of being able to track, for example, how you're moving forward with a loan application, how you're moving in terms of setting up new accounts or starting up a new business. You use the digital channels to tell you how you're doing, but maybe you still need that interaction to talk it through with an advisor, to talk it through with a banker that can really understand complexity of some of the financial decisions that we all have to make in our lives. And that that's a perfect segue right into this next question. So what does this mean for the future of bank employees, what will their roles look like? Well, I think they're enabled. I think they're enabled. They're going to be also on the other side of interacting with 
devices. So again, if we look at that video chat, the banker at the end of the video chat, again, is looking for ways to make the best use of that video channel. Obviously, we've all got lots of practice with <laughs> you know, Zoom and Teams and WebEx and everything else recently. But that is going to be turned into how do you get have a great customer interaction using video chat? And there'll be new standards set and new ways of doing it in terms of, of what makes a great experience for an employee to interact with a customer. At the end of the day, bank employees are always going to be a critical part of that connection with customers. It doesn't mean they have to be in a branch. doesn't mean they have to be in a call center or a contact center. But there's going to be a way for them to provide the value that they can add to the, to the overall relationship. And that's going to continue to evolve. And who are the leaders in this technology? Are there any countries or areas that are, are ahead of the game? Sure. There's, there's certainly banks across the world that uh, are leading. And, and, you know, when you look at the U.S. banking market, lots and lots of financial institutions of all sizes. I mean, that's probably the biggest characteristic. Really, almost no other banking market is like it in the world where there are just so many financial institutions all competing, all trying to find better ways and new ways of, of doing work. When you look at, say, Australia or the UK or Canada or other places, they're more typically dominated by large players, but new banks are nipping at the heels and coming in with new offerings as well. But the fact that some markets, maybe in Europe, have got relatively fewer players, uh, maybe there's a little more collaboration between those markets. So that's enabled them to, in some places, move faster with things like real-time payments, quick interactions where the nature of the market has changed it. Open banking is a concept that started in Europe a number of years ago. And open banking means connecting in fintech providers, other providers to allow them to compete on a level playing field with the big banks, using interfaces, using APIs, tying systems together. And so I, I would say that because Europe mandated that, they've been a little bit ahead in terms of understanding what the implications are of open banking. And now a lot of that is coming to, to the United States as well. So if you can look into your crystal ball, what do you see in the next five to 10 years? Or what innovation would you, Nick, like to see? That's always always dangerous to be a prognosticator, but <laughs> I think- we won't, we won't hold you to it. <laughs> right, Just curious. Right, right. <laughs> so I think we're going to see new devices. We're going to see more network bandwidth, more ability to really understand data, really understand tracking. When you look at what Google do with their analytics, what Facebook and Apple and others do to understand, try to predict what you're doing, try to understand how they can serve you better. Then I think we're going to see that deeply embedded in, in banking. I think we're going to see new players, maybe like some of the companies I just mentioned, uh, Google, Facebook, Amazon, and others, really getting deeper into financial transactions. Maybe not as financial institutions, but as players in the overall financial marketplace. And when they do that, I think it's going to be the next step change, especially in the digital aspects of what happens, because they're going to use their expertise in building a great customer experience 
in going deep in the data and analytics to change again the way that financial transactions happen. So I think those are going to be some of the big moves. We're going to see different players providing different kinds of services in financial markets. And I think every new technology that comes along is going to be grabbed, you know, embedded in, in your financial life. And I think what you're going to see is customers much more in control of what their you know, financial journey is and really helping to take that. So my hope would be that we would really focus on trying to serve customers better in what they're trying to accomplish in their overall financial goals, financial journeys. And I think if we do that, then certainly the financial institutions that are providing those services are going to have some great relationships, going to be able to build great businesses if they really understand what the financial journeys are that those customers are on. And before we wrap up, what advice would you give to banks or financial institutions that are listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, I'm behind the curve. What do I do? Sure. I don't know whether they need any advice from me, but I think, again, I think it's understanding your customer, really getting the strategy right, understanding what it is that you do best. Where do you have a great opportunity? So whether that's serving your community and really being close to the community and understanding what's going on in the community, building a business around specific expertise, serving the needs of the medical community and trying to build a commercial banking practice around that, for example. And then really understanding, again, the financial journeys, the financial needs, and what those customers are trying to accomplish. If you get all of those things right, and deploy the right technology, then you're going to have, a, a, I think, a very successful, really, journey for your own bank, for the whole bank. I think that's that's going to be not just the, the digital aspects of it, but I think it'll mean that you're on the right path in terms of building the right future for your company. Nick Woodcock is Senior Vice President, Group Executive, Digital Banking at FIS. That's it for today. In our next episode, we'll be discussing the importance of financial wellness with Brian Fye, Senior Director, Digital Banking at FIS. We'll see you there.